I want to say a few words to us about Jesus being the good shepherd. I almost decided not to, but then Chris wouldn't let me change my mind. I have to listen to her uh, because she thought in this time in our country, we need to hear that that's who Jesus is. We need a shepherd, somebody who sees dangers more than we do, who sees pathways better than we can. Uh, for visitors who are here, we are looking at Jesus himself telling us why he came to this world, uh, who he is and why he came. And uh, surely when he says, I am the good shepherd, it's the most personal way that he described himself of all of them. Have you noticed that? I mean, the others, I, I am the light. I am the vine. I am the way. I am the gate. But in this one, it's so personal. I am the good shepherd. So that he knows us, he leads us, he provides. It's also in some ways the most practical when it comes to everyday living, especially to hard times. Because, you know, a shepherd does life with the sheep. Is there day by day by day. Emmanuel, God is with us. So that's what we're going to think about just for a few moments at the end of our service. Uh, I want us to, to picture Jesus turning to us, saying, I am the good shepherd. And if you come through me, if he called himself the gate in the middle of this discussion, if you come through me, you come into God's family, into God's flock. And I want to tell you three things. I want to tell you three things, beautiful messages to you when you know I am your shepherd. What are they? First, I want you to hear Jesus saying to you, I know you. I know you. John 10, verse 14, in the text, that if you have your Bible, you can look there. He will say that those profound words, I know my sheep as a shepherd does. My sheep know me. And that is true of shepherds. There are other people that tend animals that didn't have to know their animals as well. I mean, he didn't say I'm the chicken farmer or, or, the, or the cattle rancher or the, or the camel handler. And you know why? Because sheep desperately need somebody who knows them if they were even going to survive. Why? It's not all that um, encouraging for us. Because sheep made dumb choices. Dumb choices. Self-destructive choices. You, you know, there's so many things that could be said about this. But, but when sheep are in danger, they don't either run to the shepherd, nor do they run away from the danger. They just frantically run back and forth here and there. That's what they do. There's so many stories about sheep just walking directly into an open fire. And even though they are burning themselves and bleeding about the danger that's there, the other sheep behind them come right in with them. And sheep are so stubborn in their ways. Once they've adopted a path, they don't want to deviate from that path. No matter what danger is there. Sound anything like us? Jesus knows that we're sheep like that too. Years before Jesus, Isaiah 53, you know the text. All of us are like sheep. We know how to live, but we go astray. And we turn others astray as well. Um, I've thought about how to explain that to us. 
Uh, as a pastor, so many times I've talked with you, and I see myself in this, so it's not just to you. Sometimes, don't we look back and we say something like, Pastor, you know, ten years ago, I really did dumb things. When I was in high school, when I was in college, ten years ago. And, and inside, we're kind of saying, but I've learned now, I'm not going to do anything like that again. You know what I, I'm going to tell you? If you and I meet here 10 years from now, you're going to look back and say, you know, Pastor, when I talked with you 10 years ago, I did really dumb things. Because that's the way we are. We get onto paths. It's hard for us to deviate. We are The Bible tells us we have a problem. We have the wrong kinds of shepherds. That's what it says. Sometimes our shepherds are our own passions. Just the things we so much want to do, even if we know they're not right. The Bible calls it flesh. And sometimes it's the world around us, the way everybody else is living and we want to please everybody else. The, the, the Bible calls that the world. But they are bad, bad shepherds. And Jesus says they kill and steal and destroy us. But Jesus is ready to be a good shepherd. And he says, I know you. I know you. He knows on one side our tendencies to walk away and live for ourselves. So if you come to church and you, you say, um, if God knew everything about me that's wrong, he wouldn't want me in his church. Or if the people here knew uh, all the stuff that's in my thinking and in my mind and in my lives, they wouldn't want me around them. That's true of all of us. And yet Jesus knows that about you and he loves you and he's ready to be your shepherd. And you wonder why would he ever do that? Why would the son of God come in and say, I'm ready to enter into a relationship with people like this and into a world where the things happen that we've been witnessing and that we are a part of that whole thing? Why would he do it? It's because he sees something in you and me that's valuable. The sheep, as dumb as they were, were the most valuable uh, creatures in the ancient world other than human beings. Every part of a sheep was valuable. It's fleece, it's flesh, it's meat, even it's blood for worship purposes. Every part of a sheep was valuable and for some reason God looks at us and Jesus says they are made in the image of God. You are of infinite value to God and because of that he is ready to come in and to say I'm ready to be a good shepherd. I love this text, John 10, 3 through 5. Sheep listen to their shepherd's voice. So he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He goes on ahead of them and then his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they won't follow a stranger. And Jesus says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So here's the first question. Who or what is your shepherd in this world? What is it that you follow? Whose voice do you know? Whose voice do you hear? What directs your life and the decisions that you make? There's only one good shepherd that will lead to life to the full. And that's what Jesus says. That's who I am. And I'm ready to lead you. I want to show you just a brief video about this. You might not remember a word I say, but this video has been so touching to me. As I've thought about what's happening in our world and the fog and the darkness of this world and that we need to hear another voice saying, I am here And there's a way out of that. Just watch this for a moment and then I'll come back.
Beyond thy prayer is that in the midst of the kind of world God has put us in, that you can come here and hear his voice and find your way to the light. Jesus says, I know you. If you watch some more of this video, the, the shepherd then lays out provisions for the sheep. And that's the second thing Jesus says to us. He says, I provide for you. It's embarrassing to be compared to a sheep when they're so dumb, isn't it? Another thing is just about as embarrassing is how helpless they are. I mean, they're helpless to even try to find food. Do you know where these sheep are? They like to eat in one place. And so even if there's no food, no grass left there, they've eaten it all. And there's a patch of green grass next, next to it. They don't even walk over here and look for it. They need a shepherd to move them over there to find that thing. And then one of the most uh, unforgettable situations about a sheep being helpless is what shepherds call being cast or cast down. Have you ever heard about that? Uh, there's so many pictures about it. You can go on the Google, put cast down sheep, and you can see that. And I have one here for you in, in just a minute. What happens is that a sheep has a tendency to really go belly up. It likes to go to a nice soft place, an inclined place where it can sleep. But as it's lying there, there's something about a sheep that its blood flow gets messed up. And so it all moves to one place so that it then turns up and just its feet are straight up in the air. And, and the way they're built, even the healthy ones can't get right themselves anymore. So they're absolutely vulnerable. They're absolutely vulnerable to anything, to any vulture that might come. I'll tell you, a good shepherd needs to be there in those helpless situations. And, and the Bible keeps telling us and, and history tells us the good shepherd watches for vultures in the sky. A uh, good shepherd, the story of Jesus, regularly counts his sheep. When one of them's missing and one is cast down, you know what a shepherd does? Goes down and takes that sheep and gets it between his legs, rubs and massages it to try to get the blood flow going again so that it can be right again. And will restore that sheep again and again and again. I just want to tell you, when you and I come to a point of saying, I need something more in this world than what I have found. That what I can get for myself. I need forgiveness for the past. I need a new way of living in the future. Then, when we're willing to turn and say, I can't do it myself, then we find that he is there. Where do we have that cross? Here in this cross, we have hundreds of names of of people that we have put their names in there saying, these are people who have not yet come to find Jesus to be their good shepherd.
But we know that they can find life when they do. And you know, so many of you have told me that you think the main reason why some of your friends, work colleagues, fellow students have not come to Jesus is because so many people keep thinking, I can do it myself. Especially those who've been successful at business or as students or as athletes. As long as there's that self-sufficiency and, and we think I can still do it to myself, we won't come and find that there is truly a good shepherd in the midst of this kind of a world. But when you come to a point of recognizing that you are like sheep, that what life is really about, you can't find yourself, then you'll come to him and find that he provides what you need. It's not always what I demand or what I want, but it's what we need. What does he give us? He gives us a new identity as one who is known and loved by God. He gives us a new freedom to begin to to have liberty from some of the addictions and bondages that are always there in our lives and from the guilt of the past and the shame. A new destiny that someday we'll be with God. John 10.10 Other things, when you live for them, they are thieves. They'll steal and kill and destroy you. But I have come, and I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says, I know you. He says, I provide for you. And then I just don't want you to miss this. Please don't go home without seeing this. He says, I lay down my life for you. The one who made us and the one who knows us in our imperfections loves us so much that he is willing to lay down his life for us. The reason I don't want you to miss this is that Jesus didn't want us to miss it. John 10, he says it three times. Verse 11, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. And in verses 17 and 18, he says, it's something I've chosen to do. It's not been forced to me. Uh, I want to do it. He says, I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up. But I'm going to lay it down because I love you. And so I ask you, why did Jesus come and die? You know, I've been in school way too long. You know that, don't you? So when I study with theologians, the idea that somebody else had to die for us, that's offensive to us. Seems kind of brutal to us, this idea that somebody had to substitute and take my place. They don't like it. And so you know what scholars like to say, even those who sort of believe in the Bible? They like to say, well, it's, it's sort of an example of God's love. And somebody willing to die for us, that is an example of love. Jesus said to himself, greater love has no one than this, than that he lay down his life for his friends and you are my friends. It's a great passage, John chapter 15. But I'm just telling you, that's not all that it's about. Because simply to uh, say, oh, I love you so much, I'll die, is not in and of itself an example of love. Unless we are in mortal danger. Does this make sense to you? I've used this illustration before, but I think I think this will be helpful again. Um, can you imagine women who are here? Uh, if you go to your husband or to your boyfriend and you say, um, I'm not sure you really love me. Sarah, you can try this with Zach. I know you say it, but I want you to prove it to me. And he says, I'll prove to you my love. And he runs and jumps over a cliff to his death. Now, Sarah, do you say, wow, that's love. 
I've always looked for love and now at last I've seen it. Oh, this is great. What do you say? You say, what a nut. What good did that do anyone? The only place where that's love is if the person we love is in mortal danger. And we saw this in Connecticut where some of the teachers did that. Were willing to put themselves in harm's way simply out of love for their children. And, and, and so what Jesus is saying is that you and I are in mortal danger. Uh, using his illustration of, of shepherding, there's a wolf out there and actually the wolf is in here. There's something about us that we're not ready to meet God on our own. God is perfect and holy and you and I are not. So we need some cleansing to happen inside. Anybody agree? We need some forgiveness to happen. We need change to happen. And Jesus says, you can't do it. You've all fallen short. But I'll be willing to live the life you were created to live. But you haven't. And then I'll die in your place so that when you come through me through the gate, you can find forgiveness of sins, rescue from the danger, and eternal life with God. I laid down my life for you. That's the message I want to give you today. Jesus came and is the good shepherd. So he knows you. He is ready to provide what you most need to live. And he was willing to sacrifice his entire life. So that you and I can live life. Life to the full. So here's what I want you to take home with you. I want us all in this coming year. To be people who take time to get to know the voice of the shepherd. Part of it happens by you being, coming and being here. Have you noticed that even though we can read God's word and hear God's voice alone, there's something that happens when his people gather together? Does that happen to you? Uh, I'm going through my merry life, really putting myself at the center of everything. I come into church and I'm forced to put my attention upon God together with other people of God. And then this word is open and, and sometimes I feel that God is just screaming at me. Come and be here because if this word is opened, you will come to know the voice of the one who speaks. And of course, I encourage you to get some of that time alone to read this word. Especially what I'd love to have each one of us do through the rest of this Christmas season. Read through the four Gospels in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. See what Jesus is like. Come to know him. Come to know his voice. And then sometimes at school or at your family or your work life, stop for 15 seconds at times. Maybe 30 seconds at times. And acknowledge that he is there. And ask him to help you to know his voice so that you will know how to live his way rather than your own. Because the ancient shepherd led in the east, led the sheep. So for the sheep to be led, like we saw up here, they had to know his voice or they didn't know who was speaking. So we have to do that. But sometimes I think that in our world, we don't know the voice of the shepherd because there's so much noise out there. Uh, this cartoon, can, can you find that, Zach, and put it up there? There's a cartoon that I, there's a sheep. With all this stuff around. I wonder why I don't hear the voice of the shepherd anymore. All right. 
So I want us to sometimes pull away from our text messages, our Twitter feeds, our television and video games, our sporting events, and learn to hear his voice. Then we'll know how to live. Uh, Second, as we learn to know his voice, uh, my prayer will take home is that you and I will be good under shepherds, under the great shepherd, that we'll become more like him and then recognize that when he gives us places of influence, that we will know the people around us and love them in spite of the fact that they sometimes get on our nerves that we'll be willing to provide as God enables us when we see homeless people or hurting people or, or irritating people that we'll try to provide, we'll even sacrifice to do that. And if you say, but pastor, I don't have an influence. I'm not a CEO. I'm not a boss. I'm just telling you, you do influence people. Just think about your family or circle of friends. You can walk into a setting and if everybody else is smiling and laughing and you are sour, you can make everything sour. Any amens? This happens in all of our families. And the opposite can happen too. You can lift the hearts and spirits of those around. I pray you'll learn to be a good under-shepherd. And finally, I want to make sure that each one who has come to Lake Avenue Church today has entered through the gate, that you have placed your faith in Jesus. He would say the, the one who comes through the gate is the one who comes in To the father's flock. Is he your good shepherd? Is he your savior? And is he your Lord? I want to make sure today that you will listen carefully. In fact, I'm going to close by just reading a couple of verses from the words of Jesus. As I read them, will you listen to see if you hear his voice and are ready to respond? John 10, verses 9 and 10. This is what Jesus says. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life. And have it to the full. To his glory.